This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, uh, Adam Strong. And to get today, we have another amazing guest, someone that I have... Someone that I've been has been in my circle for probably the best part of around eight to ten years, something thereabouts or whatever, uh, what whatever that looks like. But her name is Sammy Blindell, and Sammy. Um, one thing that I love about Sammy is his a uh, his a uh, aura of authenticity, but also her energy. She's a multi award winning speaker. She's a six times best selling author. She's a what we call a chief visionary officer for her brand builders club and a one drop movement, which we'll also talk about in today's conversation. Um, she has earned what I call the stars and stripes of being an entrepreneur. She's gone on the roller co- entrepreneurial roller coaster multiple times for you guys that are listening in. If you know what I'm talking about and you're shaking your heads, you're probably thinking, okay, I've been there and done that. Sammy's been on it multiple times. Um, she's built seven or eight figure businesses multiple times. She has built it. She's lost it. She's had to rebuild it. Um, and, you know, there are so many things that we're going to be covering in today, but what one of the premise of today's conversation is based around, and we're going to have a debate around this, does collaboration be competition? And I'm kind of like, especially over the last couple of years, it's really interesting, you know, how I think companies really begin to see that a little bit, but we're going to have a debate about it, right? And, I, I you know, I brought Sammy onto today's show is because she has really leveraged that collaborative like you know partnership or you know we're going to have a some some really interesting conversation so what are we going to be talking about today ladies and gents we are going to talk a little bit about the pros and cons of using collaboration versus competition you know is there actually an arena now for competition right so should be should competition be disregarded because you know that that's a really good question i think we're going to be talking a little bit about um Sammy's going to be sharing some of the examples. She's going to be sharing some great stories about, you know, some of her collaborative partnerships, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what she looks for, what you guys should look for in good collaborative partnerships as well. And we're also going to be talking about the one drop movement as well, which is she's hugely passionate about. Um, and there's like a charitable element to that. So lots of things to cover, ladies and gents. Uh, and so without further ado, Sammy, welcome to the show. Hello. Gosh, what a welcome. Thank you so much. This is long overdue. It's ages since we've uh, <laughs> since we've caught up with each other. A lot has happened since last time we spoke. <laughs> 100%. I remember, actually, I think our last big collaborative thing that we did was the Game Changers Summit, which was actually, we're probably pushing on a good couple of years now. Um, I, know, I know that you did some stuff in our mastermind, which was back in 2020. So we're talking like, yeah, we're talking well over two years now, which is just crazy how time flies by. It sure is. <laughs> it really is. But what a, an honor it is to be back here and uh, to be debating and, and celebrating collaboration. I love this topic. It's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I know that some of the I, I want to give people some context to like you, because I know that 
a lot of people, some people, a lot of people from around the world aren't going to know who you are, but I know that you've been building businesses from a very young age. You've got a good 20 years behind you from brand building to building companies. But I'd like to kind of get a bit of a, a backstage because I know that you built uh, one or two companies to build seven figures and it will call kind of crashing down. I'd like to start from that if that's okay, because I know that there is some epiphanies that I think that kind of teachings and learnings that you probably learned from that, not just emotionally, but also from us kind of like where you're at today. Does that make sense? Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> so in terms of like, so I know that you started your business around 2002, 2000. Is that right? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So I did get the, I did, I did get the timeline, right? <laughs> um, that's good. Um, now I know that you, you started off in a business. Now I can't remember what the business was, but I think it was to do with computers and technology. I can't remember. You'll probably forgive me if I, but tell us a little bit more about that. Cause you got into that business with a business partner, didn't you? And then, you know, Tell us a little bit more about that business and why you became so, you know, dysfunctional and dispassionate about it. And then it all just came crashing down. Let's talk, let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, wow. Going back a bit now. Um, well, the fortunate thing was the business was absolutely flying. So the business didn't come crashing down. It was me that came oh. crashing down. Um, and so, yeah, I've been in branding and design. Uh, I graduated and qualified as a, a graphic designer. Um, whilst going to university, I worked for a newspaper. So I was kind of doing a full-time job at the same time as my degree. I, I, I could not stand not having money and all the other <laughs> students around me living off of their grants. It just, that just wasn't for me. That wasn't for me at all. And so <laughs> I was working for a newspaper. I was getting my qualifications. I was I came out of um, uni, left the newspaper, went to work at a print and design company and uh, very quickly worked my way up, then was leading the teams and uh, back in, gosh, did that until around 2000. Um, I was working in a full-time job and then the company was over trading and I didn't know what that was at the time but basically they were trying to look bigger than they were sending all of their sales teams on first class travel everywhere but didn't have enough to pay the wages of everybody which is always fun so it got to uh, Christmas 2000 was the first time that I was laid off and it was a big shock um I, I you know I never had anything like that happen to me before and I knew that it wasn't because of me but I took it personally it was a big hit mm. you know especially because I'd been headhunted for that company I'd worked in it for a, a, just over a year I'd built up a whole a design team working very closely with the marketing team and uh, we loved it and we it was like a big family that was collaboration we really built that that team through collaboration and um and we looked after each other and so for that to all come crashing down all of a sudden lose that before Christmas as well that was the first experience I had bearing in mind I don't like being without money not because money um, especially now does not drive me but back then I, I was very driven by money I was very driven by success I was looking around everybody else around me what they were driving where they were living and that to me was like right that's what I need to aspire to so I was very materialistic back then uh, and was driven around that but everybody in the company was and so because I was surrounded by that there was this natural 
always that desire to have the next best thing and to, mm-hmm. you know, to knock the, the next campaign out of the ballpark. So we'd all get our bonuses and then we'd be buying the next bigger thing. And there was a lot of competition. There was collaboration, but there was a lot of competition. And that era of competition was a, um, a fast road to burnout. And so mm-hmm. coming through, through that and being made redundant, um, then went looking for another job, got another job, uh, went into that industry. And the following Christmas, um, I'd, I'd happened to go into uh, an industry that was in the hospitality sector. Well, the hospitality sector picks people up when they're really, really busy, when you've got campaigns all throughout the year. But at Christmas, when it's all over, right the way through to March, what I didn't know was they lay everyone off because they don't need you anymore. So second Christmas in a row no Christmas presents. I'm making Christmas presents for people because I didn't have the resources to to do anything with. And so another big hit and that massively hit my confidence. And so that kind of, and I'm working some stuff out as I'm talking to you. (laughs) That set off some vows. So I made some vows to myself, some money vows that I'm only just realizing now that I made Mm. about that will never happen to me again. I will be in complete control. No one will ever control my money again. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to set this up for myself. If I'm not going to get paid, it's on, It's because I didn't do what I was meant to do. It's not because somebody else has made control of that decision. And so that's 2002 when I started my first business. So the 5th of December, 2002, I'm laying there like two o'clock in the morning, staring at my ceiling thinking like, I can't go through this again. This, this is just crazy. And so um, I, I thought to myself, is this a stupid time of year to start a business? Like it's the 5th of December, <laughs> like no one's going to buy anything in December. Like, you know, and so I started to, all this negative self-talk and then I thought, you know, but what if, what if they do buy it? What if they do invest in themselves and they want to go into the new year knowing they've already got it sorted? What if, yeah. what if, what if, and I just started playing with some what ifs. It turned out to be the best decision I ever made. I did 10 and a half grand in my first month, literally from the first, from the 5th of December um, through to that first week in January. Um, wow. I did so much money in that month that I, I, I thought, because 10 and a half thousand might not seem like a lot now. Oh. You know, we just won a, an award for doing over 10 million in sales in a particular That's area. That's crazy. But, but 10,000 to me back then, and still now, I mean, it's still a lot of money now, right? And a lot yeah. of businesses would kill to have 10 grand a month coming in. Um, and back then, you know, I'm working in my little apartment in the center of Leeds. In uh, I lived in the city center of Leeds. And, um, and uh, yeah, that was a lot of money. What, uh, were, you, what were you selling? What were you selling, if you don't be honest? Graphic design, branding. Wow. Yeah, I was selling branding packages. So, um, so literally, I got all these branding packages all secured. Uh, deposits paid, ready to go. So not only so that ten and a half thousand was in deposits. That wasn't even the full amount. So that was great. I went into January then with some money expected for January as well. And um, you know what was re- really interesting? I was married to somebody else at the time. Uh, we married <laughs> for, um, uh, sorry, no, we we got married in two thousand and four, but we'd been together for about eight years by two thousand and two. So no, we hadn't got married yet, and. And we, we were always arguing about money. Every argument was always about money, not having money. And, and all of a sudden it gets to like, I'm doing 10 grand a month and we can't argue about money anymore because I haven't got the money issues. 
And that's where all the other cracks then started to appear. Students did end up getting married to try and save the situation. That's lesson number one, never do that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Um, <laughs> that's one collaboration to, uh, to avoid. Um, if you have those feelings, listen to them. But you know, that, you know, that, that really taught me some, some uh, lessons around money. But of course, I still had that money vow. So I went into building that business with that same mindset of, uh, you know, competition and collaboration, the two of those things together, like, you know, if having competition is healthy because you're always like, yeah, okay, can we do a 15 grand month? Now can we do a 20 grand month? Can we do a 25 grand month? And so there was always that element. And I was still connected with some of the people that I'd worked with. In fact, they'd gone on to set um, up their own companies as well. So there was always that element of, of competition. But five companies later, and, um, you know, and I'd, I'd built five businesses uh, between 2002 and 2013. 2007, I partnered with another company because I didn't offer web design. Uh, I was doing the branding. He had a oh, yeah. web design company. People kept referring us to one another. We said there must be something in this. So we started to refer to each other. Uh, that went really well. And by 2007, we decided to go into business with each other and set up a, a proper agency. Because at that time, I was still working in my the, my bedroom of you know the, the spare room of my apartment. <laughs> and although we're not ready for the bigger bigger apartment, but by that time, I was still working um, from home, and um, and so was he. He was based in Sheffield. I was based in Leeds at the time. And uh, and so we decided to uh, bring our companies together and grow it as a team. And that's what we did. And so between 2007 and 2013, we built um, another uh, four companies together. And, um, and yeah, and it, we were still like, you know, bringing in the best sales coaches. How can we achieve that 50,000 month? How can we achieve a 60,000 month? So by that time, we're like really like pushing um, ourselves, pushing our team. Um, by that point, we had about 13 members of our team in the design agencies. We were managing all elements of design, marketing, branding, social media, content writing. Um, we had three web developers. Like the team was like four, actually. I think we had four developers. Wow. Uh, you know, we ended up having to bring our own accountant into the company. Um, you know, customer service. Like we, you know, we we ended up um, investing in. Uh, refurbishing an old windmill so we we invested in the windmill building that went with the windmill and That's as we were growing the team we kept having to like go into another part of the mill and another part of the mill so we had architects <laughs> come in and I mean it was a great experience you know the branding all over the glass everywhere yeah. you know beautiful and I really felt felt like I'd made it you know it's like oh my god you know my name is in on the glass door and you know, had my own boardroom and uh, I had two of my own VAs uh, you know it was it was quite a ride and I really got caught up in that again in the success and in the money that comes with that I had a lot of I made it moments yes I've made it I've got my dream car yes I've made it I've got my dream house did I have time to enjoy either of them no because I was working 18 to 20 hours a day and at that time again we were still collaborating I built all of my businesses on collaboration my team everything that we we'd done it all started back in 2002 um 
when I went to a business link seminar in uh, in the center of Leeds to find out, well, what is this thing called business and how do I run one? Because I'd never started one before. And I remember the the uh, speaker came up onto the stage and just as he was about to start talking, he put a slide up that said, individually, we're one drop, together we're the ocean. And uh, And I remember looking at that, individually, we're one drop, together we're the ocean, individually, we're one drop. Am I a one drop then? If and, and is she a one drop? Is he a one drop? Is he a one drop? <laughs> we're the ocean. What does that even mean? Individually, we're one. So if we're all one drops together, we're the ocean. So what does that mean? Like we work together. Um, if you work together, that's better. And I just I didn't hear another word the guy said for the whole presentation. I was just making all my own notes about what it actually meant to build a business. Was if you build it with other people, you build quicker. That's how what I took it. You ah, build okay. quicker. You make a bigger impact. Um, <laughs> income follows impact. So it stood to reason that the faster the, the impact I made, the faster the income we'd make. And so I ended up building like all of my businesses on that philosophy. And um, so my team, you know, we worked together as a team. Really, when we launched the uh, design agency together, we didn't realize that we were launching that at the very, we literally launched it. And about three, four weeks later, they announced the recession. And so we, again, right, so I start a business at a time of year that I thought would be the worst time of year. We partner in a business and launch a new business together just before the recession. And, um, and I remember walking into the design studio and, and saying to the team, listen, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. We cannot afford to buy into it. Those that buy into it will go under. But we can fly through it if we work together. We need to collaborate. No more listening to your earphones while you're working on your laptop. Each of us will bring some music in. We'll play each other's music. We'll have some fun. Uh, you know, if we could ask you, don't listen to the news. Don't switch the news on in the studio. Like we literally, we abandoned everything that was going on outside. And we focused on what we could achieve inside. And our agency quadrupled in size both profitably and in team while all the other agencies were going under because they were buying into the hype of what was going on around us. Just like I could have believed December's the worst time to try and make sales and start a business, but I played the what if game. So I played the what if game with the team again. Like what if we can grow through this? What if we are bigger when we come through this than when we start? What if we are able to serve in a bigger way? What if we showed up? differently than everyone else and what would that look like mm -hmm. and so like I if I ever come up against anything my mindset around it is play the what if game and expect the best and so uh, so that's what we did and um but uh, you know unfortunately there's only so much the body can take <laughs> absolutely like 2013 I was absolutely screwed and um having chest pains heart palpitations headaches and I don't get headaches you know so all these symptoms started to really uh, bring themselves about to the point that I ended up in hospital very early hours of the morning with a suspected heart attack and that's when you start to have to think about is it worth it mm -hmm. and uh, as I laid on that bed connected to all the sticky things all over my chest and the fortunately machine that was beeping because it would have been a very bad sign if it wasn't <laughs> I remember laying there thinking what have I actually done now to the outside other people would be thinking most likely 
Jesus, look at her. She's going for it. She's really successful, got multi-million pound business, award-winning, mm. amazing team, beautiful offices, everything that money can buy. She's got it all going, like really well connected. Everybody knows. They used to call me Blindello Pages because as Sammy Blindello, I knew everybody. So if any wanted to know anyone, you'd always come to me, you know, and I'd built that reputation. And um, But working 18 to 20 hours a day is not sustainable. And so ultimately the doctor gave me a very hefty warning and I had to take that as a sign. And as I laid there thinking, what have I actually built? I thought, you know, if I, if I died right now in this moment, let's play the what if game. If I died, what would my team do? Well, they'd go and find another job. What would my business partner do? probably go find another business partner or his business or something, you know, what, what would actually happen? What footprint would I have left behind? Because by that point we were working with much bigger businesses where we were making the marketing director look great. We weren't working directly with the owners of the businesses by this point, because we were working with a lot of blue chip companies, chambers of commerce, like companies that are like juggernauts that to get a decision can take three months, you know? So, so we were working on a lot of big accounts. We weren't working with small businesses at that time, but that's where my heart was. And that's where we'd started. Um, and so, Oh God, like, you know, my clients, they'll go and find someone else. What, what footprint did I actually leave? And that was my, oh, feck moment. <laughs> actually, like, I think I was born for more than this. And, and I don't want to kill myself just for the sake of making money. And then I made another vow, <laughs> another unconscious vow that if this is what it means to make money, then it's not worth it. Yeah. So then I went completely the other way, walked away and left everything. So that's when everything crashed <laughs> for me. Damn. For the business that that's still running, that's still going. Um uh but um no, I walked away from it all to to really save myself. Mm-hmm. And pretty glad I did because it led me on one heck of a journey and I wouldn't have met you. Exactly. It... You wouldn't have met me. But it's <laughs> interesting, you know, I I I you know I guess when you reflect on where you've come from over the last 20 years or thereabouts, how do you, I mean, how, how do you feel when you talk about that? I mean, you probably talked talk about the story about at least a dozen times, if not more, how do you feel about it every time you tell about, t- tell the story of where you've come from? What, how do you feel? Do you know, it's really interesting because um, it's actually quite a while since I've, I've spoken. I really pulled back. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about this just before we we came online. I really pulled back because I recognized I was getting into that cycle again. And so, um, you know, th- this was last year. I recognized that that was happening again. And um, and so I just pulled back and I've been very much enjoying life and enjoying the success that I've created since then. Um, and so actually, this is the first interview that I've done for a while. So this is the first time I've talked about it for a while. And there's things that I've mentioned here that I haven't told anybody before. And so I've been connecting some dots for myself as I've been talking. I think as I listen to that um, or hear myself speaking, what's interesting is that I don't kind of recognize myself anymore. I don't, that feels like I've watched a a movie of somebody else burning themselves out and like living that life and you know the success and like every Saturday morning I'd be in the center of Leeds I I would be spending at least a thousand pounds on clothes 
you know, like it, I was constantly, it was that, it, that kind of game of always had to be better, always had to be faster, always had to uh, be earning more, always more, 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 more. And I could not be further from that. Um, what was I was going to say to you because 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 you talked about money quite a lot in our topic, but where did the whole kind of like um, was it going to say to you? Where did that whole kind of premise of wanting to earn more money come from? Was it back from childhood? Was it because of? I mean, I, I'm just intrigued about that because there there seems to be this kind of like, and I, you know, I, and I feel like some of our listeners may have some attachment issue with regards to money and, and how mm. they feel about that. And even though kind of collaboration competition is not doing, but I was just kind of intrigued. <laughs> yeah, totally. I know exactly where it comes from. I know exactly where it comes from because we run uh, money programs in our mastermind. We've got a 16 week program we're running at the moment, uh, uh -huh. which is all about wealth. And so that's why as I'm speaking, I'm, I'm getting all these little ping, ping, ping <laughs> coming up because I'm obviously very conscious of it. We're doing a thing on money vows right now. And so I'm really uh, connecting with the money vows that are coming through. Um, and so, yeah, I know my, my very first money vow that I remember ever making was when my um, my biological father uh, left us for another woman. And um, I remember coming so so they'd split up he'd gone his way but, you know I was still with my mum and um and she used to take me to work she was working at a pub at this time which was my aunt and uncle's pub so she used ah. to take me with her and um so I was about two two and a half and um and I remember um all of this commotion going on all of a sudden there was this like there was lots of whispering and then lots of action very very quickly and I remember like my mum grabbing me um, putting me in the car and we rushed home. And, um, and as we walked through the door of the house, the whole house was totally trashed, absolutely oh, wow. trashed. Wow. And, um, and I remember that scene very well. I could walk you through the entire foot, but how as a two and a half year old, I do not know how you can remember things like that. That's impressive. <laughs> I, I, can I could, I could walk you through the whole layout of the house. Um, and I remember just everything being completely chaos. And the stairs were, it was like a, a masonette property. And the stairs had, um, you know, like they have that kind of hard wood. It's only about a foot tall, but a hard wood kind of um, side to it going all the way yeah. up the stairs. So you've got the handrail, but on the open side. So it was open. And there was like a little square kind of plinth thing at the bottom of it. Um, and my mum stood me on that and I remember her sobbing her heart out, like really heavy, whole body moving sobs. And I remember cuddling her and saying, it's okay, mummy. It's okay. Everything will be okay, mummy. Everything will be okay. It's okay, mummy. I remember, I remember that happening. So what happened was my biological father had left, gone off with this other woman and realized that the best way for them to get a house was to have a child. And so he'd created this whole plan to kidnap me from nursery so that he had a child to be able to get a house, <laughs> a, 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 you know, like a council house or something. Um, if he had a child, it would be easier. They didn't have time to wait to have their own. So they decided they were going to take me instead. Um, and she, the woman that he was with had had a massive clash of confidence, conscience on the day it was about to happen. 
and she went into the pub and told my mum what he was what he was planning to do and so that was what all the whispering was about that was all the co- wow. the commotion but she got me out of london really quickly and i made a vow then that no man would ever do that to me no one would ever leave me in that position because she was financially the reason she was working in the pub was she was financially broken he'd literally left her with loads of bills he'd walked away you know run up a load of bills left her um you know to to deal with it all um as well as raising me and she'd been a, a, a very 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 successful in her career up until then so now she's working in a bar for her sister just to make ends meet and i'm making these unconscious vows of no one will ever leave me like that no wow. one Wow. I will always look after myself. I'll or, like <laughs> I I will never be without money. Nobody will ever leave me in that situation. And so, of course, like you see how this repeats itself. This whole thing just keeps repeats it repeating itself. And the, the the crazy thing about vows, especially money vows, is that you will keep make you will keep creating unconsciously creating the same situation all throughout your life and your career and your job and your business, if you own a business, you'll keep creating that situation. It might look different on the outside, but you'll keep creating it to prove that vow right. And so I kept creating those situations unconsciously. One of our Ripple Makers members said um, uh, in one of our sessions, he said, whatever you are not consciously creating you are unconsciously recreating. Interesting. Takes a little Love bit that. to get your noodle around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are good. not consciously creating. You are unconsciously recreating. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that is absolutely true of these money vows. And the, these money vows go back way, 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 way back. You know, they, they do start as a child and we carry them through. And of course, we look at our business and go, why is our business struggling? Why is this area of my business not working? Like I've done this before. I've achieved this. Why is it not working? And, you know, question these things. And then you realize actually, you know, this, this is just a vow that was made all those years ago. And, and it's not you that's building your business. It's a freaking free three-year-old is building the business <laughs> and running the show. You know, this three-year-old is making decisions. This three-year-old is throwing tantrums in the business. And all along, you know, we think it's us that's running it. It's not. It's that little three-year-old that got wounded that made a vow that's decided that this is how it's going to be. So it's very interesting how, yes, this stuff. You know, I always thought that you were very kind of resilient, but also independent. You you, you know, you you have always been that person to be very, you know, strong, independent and, you know, worked it out. Well, from the time that I've known you anyway. So um, Mm. anyway. Thanks I've been working that on me. that in the last year. I'm I've been sure. really surrendering to the fact that, you know, um, being fiercely independent, whilst it might protect you yes. in many ways, it also can overprotect you. And that has enormous consequences. We talk about ripple effect. That has enormous ripple effect in a negative way on the people around you because then you never ask for help. You don't know how to ask for help. Even when you do ask for help, you end up micromanaging. <laughs> Oh my god! We can so, talk about this. This go go so many different directions. Personality. Oh my god! Jesus Christ! Oh my goodness! Yes. Me. So I've Love been working it. on that a lot the last year. That's cool. I like that. You know what's really interesting about you actually is that you know you're extremely uh, good at being self-aware about 
you know, your own internal, you know, what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I think that's a really great thing to have. It's a great attribute to have, you know, and so many, you know, so many people that even are listening in, some of the reasons why they, they don't achieve success or why they struggle so much is because they don't have what I call their self-awareness antennas mm. switched on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I do. It's kind of like learning about yourself on, you know, really kind of questioning like why you do what you do type thing, but from a learning perspective, if that makes sense. So um, yeah. anyway, all good. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Right. Let's get, let's get, let's get back on track. Cause I want to, I want to talk a little bit about collaboration. I know that we've kind of, you've given some great metaphors and some stories and stuff, but when it comes to, you know, collaborative partnerships, you know, collaboration, you know, can mean so many different things to so many different people, but what do you look for? You know, what do you look for in good collaborative, you know, partnerships specifically? What do you think are kind of some of the kind of the bells and whistles that are attached to that? Yeah, well, um, I would say the number one, the number one thing for achieving successful partnerships and collaborations is sharing the same vision. Nice. Sharing the same vision. Um, and not being attached to that's the the hardest thing is not being attached to circumstances that might take them away from that vision because you mean emotionally that, um no in in two of the business partnerships that because i've had i've had quite a number of partnerships and collaborations over the years um you know some hugely successful absolutely it's still going now um others that i got really disappointed like you can feel it in every part of your nervous system disappointed. Uh, and in both of those situations, um, both of those people shared the same vision for what I saw in my mind. This is, you know, I really want to collaborate on this because this is my vision. I can see your vision, you know, that we're, I think we're aligned. Um, but in both situations, um, their partners had had something had gone wrong with them with money comes back to money and and they became very then focused on the money instead of the impact well you know I'm all about impact because I know that income follows impact and if you're both going moving towards a vision and values would be the next thing so having the same vision but similar values is so important and so you know if you're going to go out there and you're going to be all about collaboration and community and that's what your brand is about but all of a sudden 50 percent of the partnership gets focused on money and right we've got to bring this in because you know this has happened i've got to make sure i've got enough money for this and so they then start panicking about money well you know for somebody who has let go of that and is in the process of letting go of that to then have that energy around you again that's horrible and actually this time last year i was reflecting on this this morning as I was journaling, and I said it to Greg last night, this time last year, I felt sick. I was ill. I was really ill. Um, I'd, um, I don't know how I'd kept going, to be quite honest. I was showing up to the mastermind sessions, probably operating at about 15, 20% because I felt oh, wow. so ill, like I was getting chest pains again because I was in partnership with somebody that I loved very much and she was absolutely awesome. And we achieved some amazing things over the year that we were, and we still love each other now. We achieved some amazing things over the, you know, like the year, year and a bit that we were doing stuff together. 
But because of the outside influence on her and the pressure on her in, in that, that situation, she was then getting so focused on money and it were, it was like rubbing completely against me. And I'm saying, look, we're building a global movement here. This is not focused on money, you know? And then she's like, well, it's okay for you because you've got all of that. It's like, well, it doesn't work like that. You know, I, I mean, back in 2020, just before um, we went into the first lockdown, um, the Brand Builders Club had uh, enormously scaled and, uh, you know, we, we'd grown it. We had 34 events running every single month. We had members, like I had ambassadors. They were growing Brand Builders Club for me. I was always on a plane going somewhere. I was speaking at events all over the world. Like it was a relentless schedule. Our bodies didn't know where we were waking up from one day to the next. It was like, what time zone are we in now? I remember Greg waking up one day and saying, what country are we in today? I mean, it was just a relentless schedule, always launching somewhere. Um, and it got to like that Christmas and we ran a massive event, an enormous event in Manchester. And, um, and Greg said to me, you know, like if we're going to set some New Year's intentions, what that's, what's it going to be? And I said that I don't want to be traveling anywhere. I want to be home because I'd, I'd craved all of the flying. Like I just want to be flying everywhere. I want to be speaking all over the world. I want to grow a global business. And then you get that and you go, shit, I need a rest. <laughs> rest right and so I said to him no I, I need to take a big step back now and I've been growing the team but of course we just said you know all of this stuff that we've built we had a 22 room house at this point in Manchester Damn. that we were wow. never at at home to see wow. or to, to experience um and we just said there's just no point you know why don't we just why don't we just give it all away why don't we sell the house give everything away uh, and ultimately buy a boat and do the things we want to do while we travel. And that's what we did. And so we picked up the boat, which I'm now on, um, on the 10th of January in 2020. We went into lockdown two months later. And it was almost like everything forced, because I'd been thinking about going back online. I'd started online and, um, yeah. you know, I'd been thinking about bringing it back online and thinking, God, you know, what will my members think if we're not meeting physically again? Um but, you know, lockdown really forced my hand in that. We had no choice. We had to bring it back online. And so, you know, I think from that perspective of then, um, you know, launching other things with other people, doing it from an online perspective. But then, um, you know, she had outside circumstances in what was happening with her that then made her focused on money. Well, I'd walked away from all that. We'd sold everything, bought a boat, traveling full time, having a whale at the time, building a business, you know, doing everything that was close to my heart. But then you've got this other influence that you're in business with that isn't thinking the same way as you. So you started with the same vision and the same values, but outside influences on them are causing their values to change. But the question is, did their values change or did they make their values like yours to create the deal in the first place? Yeah. So that I think, you know, if I look back, if I look back on that lesson, I knew in my gut that it was not the right thing to do mm. uh, in both situations. When I look it, back in hindsight. It's interesting. It's like kind of, the you know, what the reason why it didn't work is because of trigger point because it, effectively it's a trigger point right what you're describing okay and also just because of your past experience there were like i suppose red flags would you just call them red flags or you know like kind of like no let's not go down that route type of thing again do you know what i mean yeah um but that's really interesting i like that and 
and I, you know, I love the, the way the way you you articulated that in a way and stuff like that. That's that's cool. I like that. Um, so okay, so this is really so this brings me on to a really interesting question. Then okay, so you've effectively used collaboration for the last twenty years. You've talked about collaboration in terms of like building culture within companies. You've talked about collaboration in terms of business partnerships, um, and you've given some great stories and some metaphors around that, which is great. So, and, and you also talked about competition, like you talked about, you know, pushing to get to the next sales target or whatever it is, which is kind of interesting. So that's internal communication. Now, in terms of like for the average, so, so for our listeners, for example, who might be kind of like a, owning a small business, for example, and maybe the, the, the owner or the listener here that's listening in and thinking, okay, does that mean that we shouldn't compete? Does that mean we should? No, we don't have comp because we have, we all have competitors in our industries, right? Okay. Yeah. Does that does that mean that uh, what you're saying, Sammy, is okay? I shouldn't treat them as a, com a competitor. You know, I should try to collaborate with them or whatever it is. Like, should we completely disregard co competition in terms of collaboration? Like, what are the, you know. I suppose circumstances like what makes it, you know, would you number one, would you approach maybe a competitor? You know, what would you do if it was you in your in your boat? I think that um it competition is really healthy. It's the mindset that you have as you take the approach to it. So if you're competing and it's also, you know, the result, what why are you in competition? Are you in competition because you're competing to see who can earn the most, who can get the next best car to get the next best thing? So that's competition that, you know, can be fun, can certainly be fun, but is the very fast road to burnout if that's not truly who you are. There are some people that thrive on that. And if they didn't have that, then they they wouldn't have the motivation or the drive. And so, you know, that that's and, and I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's right. That was right for me back then. It's just not right now. It's not who I am. That that burned me out because at my very core, it's not who I am. Um, but I actually think, you know, that there's several ways that you can see competition. Um, the the you know, obviously there's competing online and that's a very real thing. <laughs> right. So uh, either you're going to be on the first page of Google or you're not. So there's that element of that. When I launched how to build a brand, um, how to build a brand on day one, when I bought the domain name for how to build a brand, um, we were 437 million in the Google search rankings and nobody really goes past the first three. <laughs> and so that would have been easy for me to look at that and say, well, holy fucker doodles, there's absolutely no point in me even buying this domain and trying to rent a space in the branding space. There's just no point because there's too much competition. Right. But of course, I, with my what if hat on, go, yeah, but what if I implement my 12-week strategy that I'd been helping others to make millions with? What if I did that on myself? What would happen? And ultimately, that's what I did. And we went from 473, was it four? Yeah, uh, million in the search rankings to number three at the top of Google within 12 weeks. And in that same amount of time, I launched my first book, my first program, and had 18,000 pounds a month coming in 
after that first 12 weeks, going from zero and launching from nothing to building how to build a brand to become the world's largest brand building resource. Um, of course, that was my vision for it, to build the world's largest brand building resource. Was it the largest brand building resource in 12 weeks? No, but I had the vision for that. And what does it take to create the vision? Resources. <laughs> if it's going to be a Absolutely. resource, then it need resources, right? So that was just my commitment. And I built such a, a, a mass amount of visibility for that. So, you know, so you've got the competition of um, earning and achieving. There's the competition of the very reality of, you know, every business needs to show up online. And if you're not on that first page, then people will not find you. And you're going to have to rely purely on a word of mouth strategy or working very hard to bring that business in. And then there's the element of actual competitors that are competing in the same industry as you, well, you can get paralyzed by that. Or you can say, do you know what? When I do my SWOT analysis on them, their strengths are this and my strengths are this. Their weaknesses are this and my weaknesses is this. Where are the opportunities? Where are the opportunities and where are the threats? And if you, if you look at that, then you can very quickly see that actually you're not competing at all. It might look on the outside to other people, do I choose A or do I choose B? But if you think about it, the only thing that is different about those businesses is you because your business might look the same, but you are not the same. Individually, we are one drop, right? So we're all individual, and this is the, the key when it comes to building a personal brand, you are the one that is different from anything and anybody else on the planet. Mm -hmm. And but everybody puts the focus on the business. But ultimately, people aren't really buying from the business. People buy from people. Absolutely. And so they're buying into the story of the owner of the business. They're buying into, well, how are you making your ripple effect? You're talking about this, but how are you doing that? You know, so it's that that's really how one drop has come into its own it's like what one thing do you want to be known for stand for fight for uh, when you've died your legacy means this like what one thing do you want to be remembered by and every ripple of impact you create in the world as a business owner and as a brand you own your lane stay in lane and don't get distracted and what i find is if you you're so busy looking at competition and all the things you're competing with uh with them for and you focus only on those things and then you end up bringing into reality exactly what you don't want <laughs> so interesting i love that Good so it is it's healthy to have competition because it gives you a mirror and it gives mm -hmm. you the opportunity to say okay well like what are their strengths and do i want to model some of those and what are their weaknesses surely we can make their weaknesses our strengths as a business if if that feels right if that feels good so i i, I do believe competition is very it's very good if applied with the right mindset and you you don't become paralyzed by it and it doesn't trigger all of those fears that, you know, the fears of compare and despair, imposter syndrome. If you're feeling any of those things and you know that that's an unhealthy competitor relationship and I would adjust it. So if you're feeling any of those things, that's a good warning sign to say, okay, what if I saw it in a different way? And I get yeah. paralyzed by these things too and I have to also adjust myself. So yeah. it's not something you're immune from. <laughs> no, and we're all, we're only human at the end of the day, aren't we, Sammy? Absolutely.
<laughs> we're all like you know we're meat <laughs> love it love it well i know that we're kind of like coming towards the end of our um, conversation but there was you know i know that you've mentioned one drop you know movement and you know because it came about like a few years ago which was really interesting based on you know raising money for charity as well wasn't it and, and yeah you know and, and that kind of stuff and i tell us a little bit more about the whole kind of like one drop movement and you know what what is what, how do you see that kind of evolving over the next five to 10 years? What, what is the premise behind it? Yeah, thank you. The, um, the vision for One Drop really is to, to bring the philosophy of individually we're One Drop, together we're the ocean, the philosophy and the strategy of collaboration. You will always get faster <laughs> uh, together than you will trying to do it on your own. And when you try and do everything on your own, the hard way is inevitable because you only have your own way of thinking. Yes. And so, so one drop movement is a movement to support 22,000 business owners to make a difference in the lives of at least a thousand people each. So that by 2030, we can make a massive ripple effect in the lives of over 22 million people. And we'll do that because you have your skills. I have mine another you know 99 million other people have their own skills but what would happen what if you brought some of those skills together what would happen if instead of me going out there and trying to find business you were like I'm going to commit to supporting Sammy to get as much business as she can and I say I'm going to commit to helping Adam to get as much business as I can and we all collaborate and support each other to get that business because word of mouth referral is by far the best form of advertising and the best form of business. Speaking on each other's stages, writing in each other's blogs, supporting each other on each other's podcasts, right? All of these things that is collaborative opportunity to get yourselves in front of each other's networks. And somebody might not be ready to buy from me, but you're the perfect investment for them right now and vice versa. And I think that's a really healthy way of doing business together because I, I don't know about you, but I always find it so much easier to refer someone else than I do going out there trying to sell myself. And it's yeah. not because I have a problem with sales. I just think that that's naturally how we work. We are, uh, you know, community beings. We like to feel good about helping others. And so the more I can help someone else and they're helping me or they're, I'm helping you, you're helping them, they're helping them and they're helping me. It always comes back to you. It always comes back. And so the way that I'm building One Drop Movement is to build a global mastermind where we have the, the greatest minds and those that are just joining the business world that have, like me back in 2002, no idea what to do. I think, you know, there's a lot of us that are a lot further ahead than them. And it's good to give back and pay it forward to those businesses. Uh, but likewise, when you're learning from new businesses, it's very easy to kind of write them off and say, oh, yeah, but I'm so much further ahead. But I tell you what, they can see a lot of gaps in uh, older businesses than the older business can themselves. So it's it's created this beautiful uh, mastermind and energy. And I've been that's why I've been so quiet the last year. I've just been <laughs> focused on building the mastermind. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a, a pendant. You can see I've got it. Well, for, you'll be listening in on the podcast, but for those of you that can see, um, One Drop Movement also has its own uh, icon. 
the one drop and all the women wear the one drop pendants. The men have one drop cufflinks and key rings. And we've, ah. we've now got 18 different um, one drop products as part of the range now we've got charm bracelets prayer beads there's all kinds of stuff that has come out oh, from wow. what people have told us they want and we're sending them all over the world so it's also a product-based business um and, and we're just about to launch one year no fear um which is a campaign that uh, that we'll be launching in at the point of making this uh, in a couple of weeks and the whole point behind that is i've seen so many people that have the power and ability to make an enormous ripple effect in the lives of others, trainers, coaches, speakers, authors, people that already recognize that they want to make a difference in the lives of others. But they get to a point of creating something and launching it, and they never breathe the life into it that they could have done because of fear of judgment, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of burnout again, all these different fears that that sneak up that would stop somebody from actually getting that in front of all the people that they need to. And so uh, we're pushing the button on the campaign. One year, no fear starts in January. And I want to challenge ripple makers, change makers, uh, entrepreneurs and ultrapreneurs to make a bigger ripple of impact over the next 12 months by just saying, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's create that ripple of impact. Let's not do it on our own. Let's do it together. And so, yeah, that's that's what One Drop is. And we have a big um, uh, aspect of it, which is about charity. And 30% of all the profits go to uh, to charities and causes that we provide. Uh, I partner, I collaborate on all 18 of our products that we have in the One Drop range. Every single one of them is a 50-50 partnership with somebody. So they make it. Um, I sell it and 30% of it goes to the causes, 20% goes back into one drop. The other 50% goes to the person who made it like our one drop journals, for example. Um, we've got one drop gratitude cards, 50% goes to the artist who created the cards, you know, so everything we do it is very collaborative. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there's so many skills in the world that why not bring our skills together? Why try and do it on our own? It's way more fun doing it with other people. 100%. And business should always be about fun, ladies and gents. Um, you know, and, and you know, I've really enjoyed not only our catch up, but, you know, it's kind of given uh, a fresh perspective of, um, of uh, you know, you've given some really great examples and some great and shared some great stories of, you know, collaboration and, and things like that. And, and for you guys that are listening, you know, I hope that what Sammy's given you has given you kind of like, you know, I, I suppose you could call it like a framework, if you like, around how you could go about building your own collaborative relationships, partnerships, whichever you want to call it, um, and maybe see it from a sort of slightly different angle. What I'd like to do as well, if you guys um, that are listening in as well, we're going to put a link to the One Drop movement below, actually. So if you want to purchase anything from Sammy and, and, and the pendants and the cufflinks or whatever it is, you know, it's a very great cause as well. I think that would be really, really cool. So, uh, Sammy, I just want to say thanks so much for being thank on the show. It'd be great. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It'd been wonderful to catch up. And hey, those of you that are listening in, go make your ripple and create your wave in the next 12 months. Because if you weren't meant to be doing what you're doing, you wouldn't be doing it. Absolutely. Love it. All right, guys. Well, listen, I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. Please do me a favor. Um, I would love it. And I talk about this all the time. 
Um, if you love today's episode, please do me a favor. Give us a one or a five-star review. Obviously, a five-star review would be great. Uh, on Apple or on Spotify. If you do it, send me a screenshot. The email address is below. Hello at adamstrong.net. And we'll send you a free copy of my best-selling book as a thank you gesture. Um, so, uh, yeah, listen, want to hear from you guys. Uh, hope you've enjoyed today's show. And uh, we'll speak, see you soon. Take care and see you soon. Cheers now.